All right, this is Hindsight 2020. This one post the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And man, what a treat those four games were. A uh, little bias on the Baltimore game because it was uh, one of a few games I won had cash on. But it was the only game of the four that was not competitive through and through until the end. As much as we as bettors love the no sweat bet, uh, entertainment like that at the highest level on the biggest stage for the pros it was a real treat watching the games this weekend. I'm going to start in Buffalo where, look, I know I talk a lot of S about the Bills on this show. And, you know, I call Josh Allen Captain Heimlich. Um, but in all seriousness, my heart breaks for Bills fans, um, you know, the Eagles have a little bit of a short-term memory for how much they struggled for years. Obviously, I do the show with Mike every Thursday, and he's a Jets fan. There are these teams that just break your heart year after year, and I don't think anyone comes closer to reaching the apex uh, only to have Lucy pull away the football at the last minute more so than the Buffalo Bills. I mean, if you just look at the stats in that game, um, Bills were 7 for 14 on third down, Chiefs 1 for 5. The Bills ran an extra 31 plays. They ran the ball 39 times, dominated time of possession. They, They had the ball for 37 minutes and they were three for four in the red zone. Yet, when it came to the big plays, that's where Kansas City was dominant. 7.7 yards per play for the Chiefs compared to 4.7 for the Bills. And that really showed up in the passing game. Patrick Mahomes, 9.3 yards per pass. About half of that for Allen, 4.8. Heck, he ran the ball for six yards per rush, so he got more yards every time he took off with his legs uh, versus throwing the ball. Now, that's all fine and dandy, except when, you know, you're the quarterback of the team. So, uh, Mike did, however, have a really nice prop in this game. The Josh Allen over 45 rush yards, uh, that was a good one. I just feel that in this game, I just rolled off a bunch of stats. And there were probably people going into this game that were talking about the Bills and their momentum and how this Kansas City team isn't the same that they used to be. And you got to look at the numbers. You got to look at the analytics. You got to, you know, put all the noise aside. I'm sorry. I think the noise is important. I think this was a case where you bet narrative over analytics, story over stats. It was just one of these games that going in, the fact that the Chiefs were an underdog in this game and being so dismissed by so many people, it just sort of felt like, really? Have you all seen this movie before? 
I mean, it is absolutely amazing how much things went Buffalo's way in that game, how many breaks that they got in that game, and then found some sort of way to self-destruct. I don't care, you know, they go for the fake punt and people say, oh, there were 10 people on the field. For who, Buffalo? Because they barely got half an inch trying to run the ball. I would have hate to have seen what would have happened with that play if it was 11 on 11. It was just a bad decision. It felt desperate. You can say you called it on the fly, but come on, man. Nobody is calling that play on the fly, understanding the game conditions and where you're at. Now, here was the big blessing to me. I was blessed by narcolepsy. It's a big day yesterday. I got up really early to watch the second half of the Green Bay San Fran game. I'm an old man. I can't stay up for these night games. So I was up early. Then me and my wife, a big day. We went out to the parks. We hung out with some friends. We had a late lunch. A lot of intoxication throughout the day, so I was getting tired by the end of this one, but my vested interest kept my eyes open like the guy in Clockwork Orange, except for one little segment of lost time in the fourth quarter after the fake punt, I dozed off, and the next time my eyes open, Buffalo's driving the ball again with eight minutes left. What did I miss? I had to go back the following morning, this morning on Monday, and watch Kansas City fumble through the end zone. I can only imagine the woe is me cursing and screaming. How is this going to happen to me again betting on Kansas City? Am I the only guy that loses betting on the Chiefs to these fluke happenings in all these games? But no, fortunately, me falling asleep allowed me to miss that, watch the end of the game, and look again. I feel for Buffalo. I feel for their fans today. But people talking about that kick, leave the guy alone. Yeah, he should have made it. That's his job. But let me just ask you a serious question, Buffalo. If that kick is in between the uprights with a minute 50 left, Are you really on Travelocity booking trips to Baltimore? I mean, are you arranging to go on a sightseeing tour of scenes where the wire was shot? No, no, no. You're not making plans for Baltimore. We all know how this would have ended. It probably doesn't even make it to overtime if it's a tied game. Chiefs are finding a way to win that thing in regulation. It just seemed destined to me that Buffalo was going to break hearts and that Kansas City was going to come through. I'm not even sure they were the better team. But the fundamental question I had in that game, I had two. One was, is Kansas City a championship level defense? Now, Buffalo got theirs, but in the second half, the Chiefs made fantastic adjustments. I think this version of Kansas City that they've morphed into, this run-centric team that plays solid defense and looks for plays from the best quarterback in the league when they got to have them, I think it's viable. I've felt it for going into the playoffs, and after seeing the past two playoff games, they're a team I'm scared to death to go against. 
But the fundamental question that I unfortunately forgot to mention during Thursday's podcast, but I think it pretty much came pretty clear implicitly, can Buffalo overcome the demon? These things are real. These things hang over you. We know it in life. When things get inside your head, it is not just business as usual. It's what the stats and the numbers will never understand. There's a human factor and I, ju- I don't know. I watched that decision to go for the fake punt. I watched the scared-to-death uh, tentativeness on the final drive where Buffalo really should have been playing for a touchdown. I understand they were trying to control the clock. But everything about that looked like a team that was trying their hardest not to lose versus a team that was going out to seal a victory. Uh, who did handle business was the Baltimore Ravens. Look, the fundamental question in this game was all this Lamar in the playoffs, all of this, is the rest going to be too much? Are they going to be rusty? Is this Buffalo team going to come out or Baltimore team going to come out and lay an egg? I I knew it was a possibility, but I wasn't going to let it scare me. Because if Baltimore handled their business, they were going to handle Houston. I can't help but think every defensive coordinator who's had to play Houston is asking themselves today, is really all we got to do is take Nico Collins out of the game? Because Baltimore did that and Houston had no offense. Remember, they scored their only touchdown on a punt return on special teams. This was a game where Houston just... They had no identity. If they couldn't throw the football, they couldn't run the ball. Mike talked about this. 14 rushes for 38 yards. They have 11 penalties in the game. They only hold the ball for 22 minutes. No trips into the red zone. Meanwhile, Lamar on his own is rushing for 100 yards, two rush TDs, two more passing, and answered every call. I know the game was close in the first half. But it never felt like it was out of reach. You never felt like Baltimore was going to lose the game. And then in the second half, anytime you felt, boy, Baltimore really needs to score here or else Houston might get back in this thing, bam, they'd score. Anytime that you felt, man, if Baltimore scores here, they can start to put this thing out of reach, bam, Baltimore would score. They just answered the bell over and over and over again. This was one of those games where I just felt that too much of the assumption came to be that Baltimore would be this flat version like the team that played the Titans in the playoffs a couple years ago. And even though I thought that was a possibility, I didn't think it was the 60% possibility. I thought the 60% possibility was that Baltimore comes out and looks like the team that has been dominating in the latter half of the year, and that's exactly what we saw. Nothing to be ashamed of for Houston here. I thought they gave a good fight, but they were just a team running on fumes, and when you run into these teams off the bye who are fresh, ready to go, playing at home, it is a tough, tough ask. A great season for the Houston Texans, but they just ran into it here. And I'm glad I wasn't afraid to play the big favorite. 
I'm glad I wasn't one of these, oh, wise guys don't want to lay those big points. One thing I've learned, once it comes playoff time and these teams are all fully motivated and nobody's holding anything back, those big numbers shouldn't be as scary and they weren't here. Um, the Detroit Lions laid a semi-big number here. Boy, this could have got interesting depending on where you actually uh, played the game at. It got all the way down to 5.5 at one point, as high as 6.5. There was a lot of 6s out there, and that two-point conversion towards the end from Tampa sure made things interesting. My Look, my fundamental in this one was could Detroit get to Baker? And the answer was yes, they absolutely did. Baker had no run support. They ran the ball 5.9 yards per carry but refused to run. I thought they got away from the run game. It really hurt things because Baker was getting kicked out of him back there. But he's a tough guy. He hangs in. He makes plays. The one bet I liked in this game, Jared Goff, over 24 completions. He had 30 in the game. I thought Tampa would be aggressive with the blitz. It would lead to Detroit throwing a lot of short passes. And you know what I really like about these bets? And it, it kind of goes back to Mike's Josh Allen bet. You can tell yourself a story where because of Tampa's great defense, Goff's got to be dumping the ball off a lot, so he's going to get over completions. You can also just tell yourself a story where Jared Goff kind of kills it in the game and completes a bunch of passes. The prop bets sometimes are not so directly related to the result of the game, so you can win a prop bet whether or not you pick the right side of the game or not. Um, For a lot of people who bet props all the time, this is probably abundantly clear to you. Both Mike and I are trying to sort of expand our horizons. We we get so locked into playing point spreads because it's just sort of what we came up doing. And we're intrigued to try to beat the market in that way. But at the end of the day, we're looking for winnable bets. And there's so much access to these props now that we can't ignore it. So we're, we're kind of trying to figure it out on the fly here. We're a couple noobs, so bear with us. But... Boy, we talked about a lot of props and a lot of derivatives that hit this weekend. Mike with the good one with Josh Allen. I had my Jared Goff one here. Uh, Here's the biggest thing that I loved about the Lions in this game. Dan Campbell, he doesn't hesitate to trust his guys to win the game. I love a team that when you see another team start to come back, they just start throwing it. They are continuously aggressive in the red zone. It, it's tough to know if you didn't see the score on the screen whether Detroit would be winning or trailing in games because they always sort of play their style of football. And I absolutely love that Campbell lets them play that. Now, some concerns for Detroit going forward. That home field advantage was monstrous. I think it had a huge part to do in the success that they had against the Bucks and the Rams. That's going to go away now. They're going to be on the road. And if you dig into the stats in these games, it's what we would sort of call a false finish for Detroit. They lost the yards per play in each playoff game. The Rams outgained them by 1.6 yards per play, 
and the Bucks yesterday by 1.3 yards per play. That's significant. So that tells me that Detroit has played a little bit above their means. So they're going to be a very excited team. People are in on their story. Uh, it's it's going to be a tough game for them against San Francisco and losing that home field and knowing that even in those home games they weren't winning the yardage has got to be a little concerned. But I love the fact that Campbell trusts his guys. Who I don't feel that way about is Kyle Shanahan. Now, I record this on Monday And I do my best not to listen to anyone else talk about these games so that I know it's my constructed opinion that I'm sharing with you here, that I'm not just parroting what every other media figure is talking about on Monday. So if this is a very common subject, I apologize. But if it's not, then it should be. The biggest takeaway in that game was the fact that at the end of the first half, with plenty of time and all their timeouts, and the ball at about midfield, Kyle Shanahan looked over at Brock Purdy and said, Nope, I don't trust you. I would rather coach this game right here to keep it tight and not lose than put the ball in my guy's hand, who everybody was talking about should be an MVP candidate, and let him go down here and give us a significant lead and a half we really got outplayed in. And I know everybody's going to have all the excuses ready. Well, he didn't have Debo Samuel. Folks, I say this about Justin Herbert all the time. If the only way you are a really good NFL quarterback is if you have four other pro bowlers on your team, like, can you live with three out of four pro bowlers? Is McCaffrey, Kittle, and Williams the left tackle enough? No, you got to have the gadget player too. I mean, seriously, the guy is an MVP candidate and one player goes out of the game and all of a sudden he can't throw a spiral anymore. I know what your next excuse is going to be, but it was the rain. Okay, what, what is this gizmo in the gremlins? Is he a mogwai? I can't get him wet. What happens if I feed him after midnight? Does he turn into Sam Darnold? I mean, this is just unacceptable. Everybody's talking today about San Francisco getting the win, persevering through, going in trailing by five in the fourth quarter where they never won, and here they get the win. But I have really big concerns When a team where my fundamental question was, was, is this a championship level defense? It didn't look like it. Green Bay moved the ball up and down on them. Now, the 49ers clamped down in the red zone and they eventually led Jordan Love. It baited him into making some bad throws. But talk about trust. Jordan Love, rookie in this game, Matt LaFleur said, let it rip. Go out there and win the game for us. I know, ultimately, he threw that horrible pass across his body, but he's a rookie, and his coach trusted him all the way to go out there and win the game. The only quarterback I watched this weekend who I feel their coach has no trust in them whatsoever is Kyle Shanahan with Brock Purdy. 
I'm not here to evaluate how good Purdy is, what level he's at. I'm not even going to get into all that. I'll leave that to the X's and O guys. All I know is this. His coach does not trust him. And that shows inside the locker room. And that is a big problem. All right, I made a big comeback in Mike and I's playoff game this week. I was down by nine points going in, and I captured seven on the weekend, able to make it a two-point game, and I will have all the decisions as I have the rights to all four remaining teams. Worst place to be in, I've got to make a decision for my life. We'll see how I do on Thursday, and you can bet on it.